Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So we are in a series, we're calling it It's Him, where we're centering our focus back on Jesus, and we're looking at the, the four key themes of Advent, or the, the Christmas season. And so today, we come to love, not surprisingly, right? And we heard that from the text that was read in John, love. That's what we're talking about today. But what is it? Like, what is, what is love really? I mean, if you kind of look in our, our culture today, and the, one of the best places to look is music. Like, everything's about love, right? All, all the popular songs, every, everything that everybody's writing, it, it comes back over and over to love. Or, or take your favorite romantic comedy movie, right? Like, you know, it's all, it's all about love. And, and we get a picture of what love is according to kind of our culture today. Like, what is this, this love? And I would, I would say probably what we feel quickly or, or sense quickly is, is that it's a feeling, Right? We fall in love. And, and all those romantic comedies, it's about two people who are supposed to be together, but everything's trying to keep them apart, and, and they triumph over it, and they, they finally connect. Or, or take Hallmark, and it's just like, you clearly know who's going to be there, and there's no problems. It's just like when it gets there, right? Like, we fall, we fall in love. It's this feeling. It's this feeling. I think that's what the common idea about love is today in our culture. And we were talking in preaching team. We have a group of people that helps plan all of the messages and all the series. And Kirk Bodie, he shared uh, this idea. He's like, man, I, for Barb, I, I would take a bullet. I would die for her. But when she asks to, for me to do the dishes, ah, you know, like, he, he feel that, that tension. Like, I don't feel like I want to do the dishes. But we all know, right, especially if you grew up in church, you know, like, oh, yes, I, I should do the dishes, and I think there's the other side of love that sometimes we see. It's, it's a duty. It's something that we're called to do. It's, it's a command. It's, it's something that is required of us, right? It's a duty. Even, uh, I want to throw this verse up here, even the end of the passage that we read today, verse 17, Jesus says this, this is my command, love each other. And I'm curious how you actually hear that. I emphasize the word, but did you catch it like command? We're supposed to love. That's what's being asked of us. That's what Jesus is saying. I'm, I'm commanding you to love. But how do you hear that? Is it a duty? Is it something like, I've got to come through or else? Is it, is it kind of like that? Is that the kind of love that, that Jesus is asking for here? I want to submit to you that neither of these things, this feeling nor this requirement, this duty, is all that love is. It is certainly those things, sure, but I want to suggest it's more. So I raise this question, is it a feeling or experience? Is it a duty or is it something else? That's what I want to understand. And that's what I want to open up with you today. So if you're not already there, I invite you, if you would, turn to John chapter 15, John chapter 15, we're going to be looking at uh, a scripture that is not a Christmas one. We've been looking at the, the birth narratives and all this stuff, but now we're going to jump to this chunk of text that helps us understand love. And I'll connect the dots here in a little bit, but John chapter 15, we're looking at this conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. So a little context, 
This is the night before Jesus is going to die. And he's having this long conversation with him. He's like, okay, what do I need to tell you before, I'm, before all this happens? Like, what's the last thing that I really want to leave you with? And this is one of them. And so we're going to kind of walk through in different chunks here this, this text of John 15. Now, before this, I want to remind you of some of the other things that Jesus has said about love to help us understand where he's coming from. So a few years ago, he preaches this big sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, and we capture it in, in Matthew. And in Matthew 7, 12, we get these words kind of talking about how we are supposed to relate to one another. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is known as the golden rule, right? And we all kind of know this, regardless if you grew up in church or not. Like, you should do to other people what you want them to do to you. Like, this is just the way the world works best. Yes, absolutely. This is, this is love. Do to other people what you want them to do to you. Like, that's how we should treat each other, right? Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus is saying. But then he goes further on, later on, and he has a conversation with some other people, the Pharisees, and, and particularly in Matthew 22, he gets to these words, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. See, he's, he's showing us that we're to, we're to love God with everything that we are. And it's like heart, soul, mind, strength, everything. Like, yes, love everything. I love God with everything that you have. But then love other people as well. Love them as yourselves. Like, you've probably heard that too. So like Jesus is saying, like, do to other people what you want them to do to you. Love God, love, love people as yourself. This is kind of where he's been teaching. This is how he's been explaining what love is. But today... In our text, he adds just a little bit more. And I think this is where he's ultimately wanting to go. He's wanting us to see that we are not to love as we love, but we're to love as he loves. So, verse 12, if you're looking in your scriptures. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. Notice the change. It's like love God and then love one another as yourself. He, he goes a step further here. He's like, let me make this clear for you. Love one another as I, as I have loved you. I am now the standard. I, I'm now the picture, like, I'm the example. I'm the one you look to to say, like, okay, how should we love? We love like Jesus has loved. And I think what he's doing here is shifting the perspective. It's no longer, you know, centered on us. It's no longer centered on, like, kind of what we would do. Rather, it's what he would do. So here, here it is. We're not to love as we love, as human beings love. We're to love how he loves and how has he loved? If you know this text, if you know kind of where it's falling, like this is the night before Jesus is going to die. And what did he do kind of at the beginning of the night? Probably not even an hour before. He washes his disciples' feet. Maybe you're familiar with that. So back then, like people, they would walk around in sandals and it's dusty and dirty and everything. Feet were gross. 
I mean, it's just like, don't, don't touch that. And so clean, like you needed to clean your feet. Well, if, if you had a, a nice setup or whatever and maybe had a servant, like your lowest servant would be the one who'd come in and wash someone's feet. Here Jesus takes that posture and says, I'm, I'm your teacher. I'm, I'm the one leading you. I'm going to wash your feet. This is what love is. And they've been walking with him for years. They've seen how he's interacted with people. He, he sees the person that nobody else wants to see, the sinners and the tax collectors. He's eating with them. The person that's cast off to the side of the road that nobody wants to look at, Jesus sees them. He interacts with them. He has conversations with them. He's healing people. Those who have no other place to turn, like no other option, like he's coming through for them. He's showing them love and grace. This is the way that Jesus has been. He's loving people. He's calling us to love the same way. Love one another as I have loved you. But just in case we weren't clear, like, okay, you know, maybe we're tracing with Jesus, we're following him along, like, paying attention to what he's doing. Like, but what is, what is he really doing? Jesus spells it out. The very next verse, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. What Jesus has been doing has been laying his life down. It's like I'm surrendering everything that I have. I'm, I'm coming in and I'm giving up myself for you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down your life for another. And that's exactly what Jesus is about to do. In the next 12 to 24 hours, he's going to step in to all the muck and the mire in this world. He's going to be arrested. He's going to be put on trial Convicted wrongly, flogged, beaten, tortured, and he's going to be put on a cross, put to death. He is laying his life down for us. He's laying his life down. He's going all the way to death. He is living this out. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to show us love in the full. John, who's writing this gospel, wrote a letter, a few letters, but he captures, he's reflecting on this. And so I want to throw this verse up here. 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son. He sent him into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. See, he came and sacrificed his life for our benefit. And this is what we remember at Christmas. See, Christmas is about giving. Christmas is about, you know, giving to one another. It's about sharing what we have. Like, this is the joy of, of Christmas. But here it is captured as the capstone. God gave. He gave his son the greatest gift that he could give for our benefit. 
we're stuck. We're dead in our sins. We're, we're stuck in this evil and brokenness, this wickedness of the world. Like, we're stuck in it. We can't get out. And what does he do? He rescues us by trading places, by laying his life down. This is love. This is love. This is what Jesus came to do. He came to lay his life down for us. We're called to do the same. We're called to embody this kind of reality, this kind of love. So what we're called to do is to do what's best for someone else at our own expense. This is what love is, right? Laying your life down for another. This is what Jesus did, and he modeled it. He showed us it. This is what love is. It's not merely a feeling. It's an action, an action of sacrifice. And so, kind of reflecting further on the definition of love, like, what is it? It's not merely a feeling. It has feelings in it, but it goes way beyond that. So come back to, like, doing the dishes. Like, if I just don't feel like doing the dishes and I don't do like, that's not love. Love is like, I don't want to do the dishes, but I'm going to. Right? Like, I'm going to do the dishes. For, for me, it's not dishes. For me, it's laundry. Like, oh, don't, don't ask me to do the laundry. But if my wife does, she needs me to step up. Like, okay, I will. This is love. It's laying down our, our, our expectations, our desires. It's laying down this feeling of like, I don't want to do the dishes, but I'm going to do it anyway. It's giving of, of ourselves. It's giving what we have to another person even at our own expense. So some of the things that, that might come up for you, maybe it's your time. I think this is one of the things that we are most protective of in our culture today. Like, we may be more willing to give our money, but man, to give our time, to give someone our attention, that, that is one of the most precious things that we can give. Because we have time. Maybe we feel like we don't have enough of it, but when we give it, that's love. When we listen to somebody, when we give our ears and, and full attention, like look someone in the eye, and we really listen to them, we show love. I mean, we're, we're so bombarded with noise and information, and, and we're always moving on from one thing to another, like to slow down to really listen to someone. When we take what we have, when we give of what we have, even when it's a pinch for us, when we feel the burden of it, like that is love. It's not merely a feeling. Because feelings, they come and go. And, and in a given moment, we may not feel love. We may not feel the desire to come through. Like, if it's based on that, it's going to go up and down. It's going to go in and out. We are not going to show someone the time of day if we don't really want to. That is not love. That's not what love is based on. It's, we don't build on the foundation of feeling. There's been a little bit of a shift that I've noticed, even in my time as, as a pastor. Um, uh, you know, in weddings, if you've been to one recently, like, you know, there's often different components, but like the key element, like the one thing that every wedding's really got to have is a vow. Like it's the exchange of vows, right? 
There's been a a trend or a movement towards um, a new kind of way of capturing the vow. Formerly, like the old vow, the traditional vow, is like, till death do us part. We commit to one another, till death do us part. Now some of the language, instead of as long as we both shall live, till death do us part, as long as we both shall love. That feeling, like as long as I'm feeling it, then, you know, we just kind of move on when, when we move on from that. That is not love. That's not love. If Jesus, we're based on a feeling, like, this doesn't feel very good. Like, they're slapping me, and, and they're hitting me, and now they're beating me with rods, and now there's these things that are tearing my skin apart. Like, at any point in there, probably like, this doesn't feel good. Okay, I can back up. Love is not based on a feeling. It's based on a commitment. It's based on a choice. It's this deeper reality of laying down your life for another. It's not merely a feeling. So, what Jesus is pointing us to, he's calling us to love like he does. That's the challenge. That's the call. That's what he's putting before us. We are to love like he does. Why can we do that? Or how can we do that? How is it possible? And this is where we'll get to the other side. So if love's not a feeling, it's also not a duty. I want to expand on that. So back to the text. Look at verse nine, verses 9 through 11. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So pause there. So in in this picture that Jesus is offering us, uh, there's there's an image that I want to expand on throughout the rest of the sermon. But I'm curious, did you hear, or what did you hear when when you heard those verses? Did you, here's my commands. Do this. Did, did you hear that? Did you kind of resonate with that? Did you kind of lock into that word command? I want to contend with you that we don't hear that the way that Jesus intended. We often hear that as like, I have a duty. I need to do something. Here's something that's expected of me. Here's the requirement. I've got to come through or else. I think that's how we often hear that, that language. And maybe even picked up on them this way, like, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I don't think what Jesus is saying there is that if you do all the right things, then you will get. I don't think that's what he's saying. I don't think he's labeling conditions here. I think what Jesus is pointing us to is characterization. If you are in my love, then you will do these kinds of things. I think that is what he's saying. I think what Jesus is pointing us to is a different kind of reality. So go back up to verse 9. How does he start out? The Father has loved me, so I have loved you. There's a movement that's going on here. What Jesus is pointing to is what he's experiencing. The Father is showing me his love. I'm resting in his love. I'm receiving his love. Now I give that love to you. And that is the movement of love. 
Jesus himself is receiving it from the Father, and it's from him that Jesus loves. And so what's happening for us? He loves us. And from that love, we love others. Here's here's the idea. Here's what Jesus is pointing to. It's this. Our love for others flows out of our love from Jesus. Our love for others flows out of our love from Jesus. It's a gift. It's given to us. He shows us love and it turns out towards other people. That is what Jesus experiences and that's what he wants us to experience as well. But notice what he's not saying is that if you do all the right things, then I will love you. That's not how it starts. The Father has loved me, and I love you. I love you, you love others. You are receiving love that is then to be shared. This, this is what he's calling us to. It is not a command to be earned not something to be kept, not something to like, if you do this, then. No, no, no. We first are loved, then we love. We receive it first, we rest in it first, then it is shared. This is why it's a characterization. It's not a condition. We don't earn his love. He already gives it to us, and we then reflect it back out. That is what Jesus is pointing us to here. That is the movement that he's wanting us to see. So these if statements are like, if you do the right things, then I'll love you. I love you. So do these things. This is who you are. This is what it's about. And that's where I want to turn to next. It's like if if this is true, if this is the flow, if this is the movement, then there's something that you need to hear from Jesus. Jump down to verse 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. Not, you earn this and then you're my friends. You are my friends and you live that out. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me but I chose you. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You are Jesus' friend. You're his brother. You're his sister. You are in intimate relationship with him. When we begin to follow Jesus, when we align ourselves to him, this is your identity. You're a friend. You're not a servant. See, a servant is hired. A servant is is on the business side. It's a transaction like, okay, here's what you need to do, and you just go do it. A friend is on the inside. They know what's going on. They know what's going on behind the scenes. Like, they're working together. Like, okay, yeah, come here. Let me show you about this. And they're letting them in. That is the difference between a servant and a friend. A servant is just a worker. It's a hired person. Like, you're just there for a job. A friend. Intimate relationship. Intimate connection. Like, that is what Jesus is saying is true here. And so what does he show us? 
He shows us verse 9. The fathers love me, so I love you. I'm letting you in. I'm showing you what this is all about. I'm showing you how this is supposed to go. That is what he's pointing to. And ultimately to say, it's nothing that you've earned. Verse 16, I chose you. I chose you. You didn't choose me. You didn't have the merit. You didn't have what it, like, you're nothing, there's nothing special about you. Like, it's not like you chose me because you're better. No, I chose you out of my good pleasure. Out of my love for you, I chose you. You didn't earn it. You didn't merit it. You didn't warrant it. I chose you just because. This, this is his love. And this is the good news that I think we need to hear. You are his and you are loved. You are his and you are loved. That is true of you. And this is what he wants us to know. And this is what he wants us to rest in. And this is from where we love. It is not out of duty. It's not out of obligation. It's not out of manufacturing from within ourselves something to say like, okay, I'm going to love people and therefore God's going to be pleased with me. It's not how it works. He first loves us. And we take that and we live in it. We rest in it. We dwell in his love. And from there it overflows to other people. That is how this works. So love is not merely a feeling. It's not something that we just kind of experience and then sometimes it comes in, sometimes it comes out. It's not a feeling. It's also not merely a duty. There's, sure, there's something we're supposed to do, but it starts from our identity as loved people. That's who we are. That's what Jesus is pointing us to. We are loved. So in each sermon of this series, we've been looking at different themes, and we're trying to define each one. And, and I tried to define love. And, you know, we're trying to get tight, pithy statement kind of thing. I had a paragraph for this one. <laughs> I just couldn't boil it down to anything shorter. So what I did was I took the concepts in this paragraph, and that's what I want to show you. So here is where my definition of love landed. First thing, it's a choice. It's a choice. It's not obligation, like, oh, I have to do it. or It's not have to, it's get to. It's a choice. And so that is the choice. Like, we, we face at different moments, like this choice to step forward with Jesus. It, it's a choice. And it's a choice to an affectionate commitment. So it's not just this loose kind of feeling like, well, if I feel it, like, okay. No, there's a commitment. There's something that we're choosing to do and we're remaining steadfast. And within that, there's affection and draw and desire. But that's going to kind of come in and out. That's going to waver. But it's a component. So it's a choice towards an affectionate commitment. And it's unconditional. It's not, if you do this, then I'll do this. Or if you do that, then, I, then I'll do this. Like, it's unconditional. We give freely, generously, lavishly. Like, it is not restrained. It's unconditional. And we do so even when it's not reciprocated. That's the kind of love that we're, we're called to have. 
and it's sacrificial. It, it costs us something. It's not something that's easier out of our, our surplus, but rather it's like we're digging deep and we're giving everything that we can. We're giving sacrificially. And we're doing what's best for others. It's not self-interested. It's not about what I get out of it or, or is this good for me, but it's actually like what's best for another person? How do I come through for them? What can I do that helps improve their life? It's what's best for others. See, all of these components, these five pieces, this is what Jesus did. See, he, took, he made the choice. He was in heaven. He had all the riches of, of heaven. He sat on the throne. like he, he had it all. And what did he do? He chose to move. He chose not to stay there. He chose to come down as a baby. He chose to be with us. He came towards us. He made that choice. And he made a commitment to us. See, God in the Old Testament had been saying over and over again, like, I will remain faithful to you even when you're not faithful to me. You're going to wander from me, but I'm going to be steadfast. I'm going to be there because I long for you. I desire you. Jesus embodied that, that commitment, that affection that he made the choice to come down to us, to be faithful to us. And he did it unconditionally. It wasn't that we needed to earn something or warrant something, but he came of his own free grace to be with us. It's unconditional. We're not earning it. We're not doing anything to warrant it. He's just giving. And he's giving sacrificially. So he had everything up here, and he came down to our level. And he even came down to the lowest level. He came as a servant. He came in poverty all the way to the point of death. He sacrificed his life. He laid it down to do what's best for us. We're stuck in our sin. We're, we're stuck in, in the brokenness of the world, this world. We have no way out on our own strength. And what does he do? He provides us the way. He does what's best for us. This is love. This is love. This is what Jesus has shown us. This is the kind of love when we look to him, we rest in. This is love. So how do we reflect it? How do we love other people? Because that's the call. We are called to love other people like he has loved us. This is what we've received. Well, how do, how do we pass that on? And so I really just want to capture that movement in two parts. The movement of receiving and giving. First, we've, we've got to receive it. And we've got to receive it in an ongoing way. So maybe you're here and, and you're still trying to figure out Jesus. Like you're not sure what you think of him. Or maybe you are sure about what you think of him, but you're just not quite there. Like, Let me just point this to you. This is his love for you. Like he loves you. He knows everything that you've done. Nothing is a surprise to him. He knows your reality. He knows your situation. And he loves you. He wants you to receive it. You don't got to warrant it. You don't got to earn it. You don't got to do anything except just receive it. Take it into your hands and say, all right, I receive it. I trust you. Like, I will live in your love. 
receive it. But it's not just a one-time thing. See, if, you, if you're a believer, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, you've committed to that, this is not something that we do once. It's like, okay, now I have it. Great, I'm done. This is an ongoing thing. I want to even contend with you that it's daily. We are to daily receive the love that Jesus has for us. And we do that by remembering, by hearing it afresh. So for me, I, when I read the Scripture, when I read the Bible, I'm seeing Jesus. I'm seeing this story play out. And I'm putting myself in it and saying, that's me. He's doing this to me. He's showing me this kind of love. Like the picture that we have is directed at me. I see my story in the story every day. I live in that. I hear it. I dwell in it. I chew on it. Like I, I, I allow it to permeate all that. That is what we're called to do. And so read the scriptures. Like get into the Bible and just see how Jesus interacts with people and see it as the way he interacts with you. And maybe you even just need to write down that phrase like, I am his and I am loved. And that's like in a journal or on your bathroom mirror. And like every day you see that truth. You see that idea. I am his and I am loved. Because when we do that, it begins to sink in. It begins to permeate. It begins to get into us deep down. And we rest in it. We begin to believe it. We begin to live as if it's true because it is. We're to receive it. But then, we're not just to keep it. We're not just to kind of let it stay in here. We're to give it as well. So what we receive, this love from Jesus, we pass that on to other people. And I think this happens when we begin to rest in our own identity as loved, as belonging to him. We begin to see other people the way that he does. And so that's what I want you to do, is I want you to begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. How does God view my neighbor? How does God view that student across the table? How does God view that uncle that, man, I really just don't want to be around him? Like, how does God view each one of those people? We begin to see through his eyes. We see through love. And we share it. You see, one of the most beautiful things is, is Romans 5.8. It's like, while we were still sinners, God saved us. He, Christ Jesus died for us. We were enemies. Like, we were antagonistic. We were, what does he do? He loves us. That's what love does. It changes us to allow us to love our enemies, love the people that's, that are hard to love. And maybe you have somebody in your own mind where it's like, oh, man, that person is so difficult for me. How can I show them love? Because then you begin to see how Jesus sees them. Valuable, worthy, important. It's from here, from that place that we're able to share this kind of love. And so I encourage you to begin to see with the eyes of Jesus. And then look through that definition of love, those, those five pieces. Where's their commitment? How can I sh share sacrifice? Make sure there's no conditions. Like, what am I doing that's best for somebody else? Can you make that choice? See through the lens of Jesus. What we have received is what we pass on.
So we receive it and we give it. I hope that you're sensing this movement, this movement of love that we receive from God. We, we are loved, and it's from there that we love other people. It's not merely a feeling, and it's not merely a duty, but it's actually something that changes and transforms us from our identity. We are loved. That's the way that Jesus loves us. So bottom line for today, Jesus loves us, and it's through this love that we love other people. And we've been capturing uh, each sermon in this series with this kind of question. And so here's the question for today. Who loves us with this radical, unique kind of love? It's him. He loves you this way. He loves you so much that he's willing to lay down his life for you. That's the love that he has for you. And that's the kind of love that he wants you to share. Jesus loves us, and it's through his love that we love other people.